Well, hello, hello, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's at work in our mess. Whether you're young or old, single or married, a working professional, stay-at-home mom, or somewhere in between, whether you're black, white, or purple, whether you believe and agree with everything talked about at this table or not, please know that you are wanted and welcome. Well, I'm your host, Jen Jewell, and today is not only episode number 25, but guys, I was just looking at the calendar and realized the one-year anniversary of this podcast is coming up next week in between episodes on March 1st. So I just want to stop for a hot second and thank God for such a fun way to remember His goodness and also to appreciate every single gal who has taken the time and emotional energy to share a piece of their heart and story this past year. It's been an awesome year, but there's no way we're stopping now. This next season will continue to be packed with a blend of wisdom, encouragement, and imperfect stories that bring us even closer to our Savior, because that is really what it's all about. And before we get to our amazing guest for today, I have a little announcement. And no, I'm not pregnant. As you know, The Messy Table is partnered with my church, Life Church, and our women's ministry called Sisters. And if you're a believer somewhere in this big world, we're also unified and partnered with you, because together we make up the body of Christ. We are passionate about helping women and people in general engage in the Bible. The podcast is great and these stories are inspiring, but the real win is diving into the timeless and powerful Word of God, which is alive and active and has the ability to pierce our hearts every time we read it. So myself and six other women who have already been guests here at The Messy Table decided to collaborate and write a seven-day devotional. The Messy Table Bible Plan just released, so it's now available and free on the YouVersion Bible app. It features real stories, powerful scriptures, and even table questions for discussion. There's also a Talk It Over feature where you can chat with your friends about the plan in the actual plan. So tell your small group, grab some friends, and of course you can do it alone, but life is really better together. All right, well today, Amy Groeschel is back joining me in the co-hosting seat as we sit down and chat with the absolutely charming Sandra Stanley. Sandra is the mom of three grown children and the wife of Andy Stanley, founder of North Point Ministries, which is based in Georgia. She's a foster mom with a big old heart for kids from hard places and has a passion for promoting foster care within the local church. We talk about most of that in this episode, as well as the varying seasons of life and how to adjust when things change, plus really important topics, especially among women, like that silly trap of comparison we often get sucked into, or the pressure to overextend ourselves and not leave any breathing room. She's actually written two devotional books, and we'll be giving one of each away, so stay tuned for details on that giveaway at the end of this episode. Guys, Sandra just oozes wisdom and joy, but is also super down-to-earth and has the most soothing Southern accent. I promise you're in for a treat. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us at The Messy Table. Well, Sandra, welcome to The Messy Table. We're so glad you're here. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So we Life Churchers feel that you North Pointers are basically extended family. So this is such a treat, and we really are just honored to hear some of your wisdom today. Uh, we feel the same way. Sandra, I'm so excited that you're on the messy table as our guest and our husbands, Andy and Craig, get together and do their one-day Catalyst events. And this is our first thing that we've done together. That's right. It's our turn. Yes, I love it. I love it. That's exactly right. I think they have a special friendship. It's always fun to watch that and to watch their banter. And they have so much in common and compliment each other so well. And um, yeah, so here we go. We get to do it too. All right, Sandra, so tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your passions. Give us the Cliff Notes version of Sandra Stanley. Okay, well, let's see. Andy and I have been married for this summer will be 30 years, which is crazy. It seems like it's gone by so fast. Um, but 30 years, we have three kids. Andrew is 25, uh, Garrett's 24, Allie's 22, and then our foster daughter just turned 18, and we're kind of transitioning her. Um, to an independent living program that she's really excited about. And we are too for her. So yeah, so those are kind of our four kids right now. And um, two are out of college. And Allie, our youngest, is um, going to graduate from Auburn this May. So she's excited. It's just crazy to think that 
you know, kids are kind of grown up and on their own and it's such a fun season. They just keep growing, don't they? They do. They do. And you know, it's so much fun. And I know we'll talk about this in a little while, but it's so much fun when your kids whom, you know, you've parented for all these years become your best friends Mm. and they're the ones you kind of want to hang out with. And, and of course, you know, when they want to hang out with you, it's just thrilling. Um, so, and we'll get to that later, but that's the season of life we're in. We have been empty nesters a little bit on and off with our foster daughter. You know, she's been here some and then, and then has transitioned back out. But before we got her full time, we had done empty nesting for a whole year. And so we were back to, you know, geometry homework and curfews and all that kind of fun stuff with her after having a year of just sort of being blissfully free. So (laughs) that was a, a readjustment, but fun in a different way. Uh, but that's where we are. Yeah, that's kind of the cliff note version. Andy and I met when I was in college. He was already out of college and out of seminary and back in Atlanta and was the guest speaker at my Bible study at Georgia Tech. So that's where we met and um, yeah, got married as soon as I graduated. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to talk a little bit more about foster care and some of the other different things that you have going on in your life, but I know you're kind of a health nut. What are you loving right now, and what are some of your biggest pet peeves? Oh, that's funny. Well, um, yes, I do love, you know, all the, you know, exercising and healthy eating and all that kind of stuff. Um, But probably if we're talking about passion, it really is a passion for kids who come from hard places. And that was not something I ever expected to have Hmm. um, to be my ministry focus. I was not that mom who wanted to perpetually parent. I was, you know, in those middle school, high school years, I thought, gosh, it's going to be so nice when, you know, everybody is launched and Andy and I still like each other. So this is going to be great. And then God just had a little bit of a different plan. And it was fun to see how he unfolded that in our lives. But that really is a passion of mine. And it's been fun to be involved with developing a system that we are now able to export to some other churches that um, help support foster families and and foster kids. So, so that's been the big passion. Um, Let's see. I'm loving right now. I am about halfway through my master's of biblical studies at Dallas Seminary, Dallas Theological Seminary, and I'm loving that. Uh, Another thing I didn't see coming and didn't plan on, and it just sort of happened in books that 10 years ago I would have thought would be complete yawners. I am (laughs) just eating up and loving, and so that's kind of a little fun thing. A pet peeve. Okay, when people don't RSVP, when clearly Mm. the invitation asks them to, that's my pet peeve. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah, when you entertain a lot and... um, you know, that, that becomes something that just kind of gets on your nerves a little bit. How can you plan? How can you plan if you don't know who's coming? Exactly. Yes, everyone, take note. We all probably feel that way, but I can be guilty of it. The things that I, well, I know. You know, hate, I end up doing, right? And I, I sometimes don't RSVP. I hate to tell you that. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. It's my pet peeve. But you know how you'll have little stacks of things on your desk that you mean to get to? When I see that I have missed the deadline of RSVP, I, I mean, I want to bake them a cake and, you know, write a letter of apology, but it does happen. It does happen to all of us. So I have learned to give a little grace. So I love what you said about books that used to be boring to you. Now you're so interesting and I'm, I'm kind of the same way. Are you? And yeah. it, it kind of reminds me of, you know, whenever you're younger and you hear older women talking about picking out dishes or bedding and that just seems so boring talk. Oh, and yeah, then, awful. you know, you get married and it's the <laughs> excitement of your life to pick out great dishes. Yeah, different seasons just have different joys. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny what they, what they are, especially when it's something you didn't see coming. Yes, and I I love that you are sharing how God led your heart toward this fostering and toward these kids that just need others in the body of Christ surrounding them. I relate to that so well because most of my adult life seems like the things that I didn't plan and and didn't see and how God just leads us and changes our hearts and our direction into things that you think, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound enjoyable. That sounds hard. That sounds bad. But when you just captured your heart there, it's the best thing. It is. And, um, 
And so I, I'm excited to hear more about how God had led you guys to that role of fostering, and that's a passion of my heart as well. And it was interesting how he's now turned that in my life to uh, helping support moms that have lost their babies. Right. But um, Which is such a big part of it. It, it all is just works together. Mm-hmm. It does. But you guys inspire me as a family for the way that you lead in these ways that it's not just that you're church leaders, but you, you inspire the Christian home, the Christian family and how to function and be strong and thrive. And um, mm-hmm. I've always admired and appreciated that about about your family and your marriage. Oh, well, thank you, Amy. Thank you. It's one of those things that you, you also just, you know, you just kind of do life and you learn and you grow and you don't really plan on it impacting anybody else. And when God can, can do that, it's just fun and great. So, Sandra, years ago, I heard Andy say that two of your parenting goals were, A, to still love being around each other once the kids were gone, and B, raise them in such a way that once they had the choice, they would be excited to come home. So I would love to hear practically how you pursue these goals and if it's working. (laughs) Yes, yes. You know what? That's so funny. That really, really was a goal of ours. And the reason we knew we wanted it to be a goal of ours was because of my parents. And it was just kind of normal for me. My parents are so awesome and love each other and just still have such a great time together. They're in their late 70s. And and it was, you know, it just caught Andy's attention early on in our relationship. And that was what he, he said, you know what? He said, I want us, you know, down the road to be where your parents are. And, and Allison, my sister, and Jack, my brother, I'm the middle of three. We all love being with our mom and dad and with each other. And so, I, you know, while that was normal for me, I wouldn't have known to make it a goal. Andy just looked at it and said, let's figure out how to do that. And so mm, that's great. You know, so that was, you know, kind of the impetus, I guess, behind making those two kind of heavy duty, big rock goals for our family. Were you pretty intentional about that early on before you had kids? Yeah, we were. This was a conversation he and I started having early in our marriage. And we're both learners. We've always been learners. And we, you know, in our small groups, which we've had, we've been part of a, of a community group, various community groups, our entire marriage. We just decided, hey, let's learn with these other groups of people who are in our same season in each stage of life. You know, how do we keep our marriage strong and how do we parent in this season of parenting? Because as you know, you know, every season of parenting is different. You can't parent your younger kids the same way you parent them when they're teenagers. So that community environment with other couples, we just decided we're going to learn everything we can to to stay on the tracks with both of those things. And, you know, when our kids were young, it was simple things like, you know, as far as keeping our marriage healthy, it was simple things like not letting them interrupt us when we're talking and just letting them know, hey, mom and dad's relationship is a priority and no matter, you know, no matter what. And so um, little things like that, I think, have big messages for our kids. And um, as they got older, it was things like getting away together for date nights, which, you know, is pretty common, but also getting out of town a couple times a year for at least two or three nights with no distractions, just that uninterrupted time of being together and talking about relevant things that we are going on. And, and our kids seeing that, just seeing, hey, mom and dad, they like each other so much they want to go away together alone. And, you know, that was the way they would interpret it later on, not necessarily, you know, when they were little. But I think those are two big things for when you've got young kids. And of course, that second one carries over throughout all of your years of parenting. But um, but I think a healthy marriage is really part of what makes our kids want to come home when they're older, you know, a, an environment that is inviting to them. So healthy marriage is just one of the greatest gifts we can give our kids. Yes. I know you you guys aren't perfect. None of us are. And life is messy. We're the messy table. But I love that you saw this vision for what a family should be. And and then together, early in marriage, you strove for that vision. And it wasn't just an ideal, but you put it into practice by guarding the family, guarding your marriage, Mm -hmm. setting up boundaries and systems there. You make it sound like it's not that impossible. It's doable, but you have to have a vision. You have to understand what you're trying to achieve is something that's not the norm, but it's not that difficult if you just know where you're headed. Right. And um, 
So, you know, I hope all the, the younger moms and families uh, that hear that can just grab hold and know that it's possible, that you do have to set into place, you know, those... You do. It, you, it takes some intentionality and, you know, it's like anything else, the natural drift in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, in our intimacy with the Lord, all of those, the natural drift is never in the healthiest direction. It's always, mm-hmm. you know, it's when you think of the ocean and, you you know, your kids are out there with all their toys and in two minutes they're you know way 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 down the beach that natural drift is something we have to keep making little corrections on and and I think community with other couples kind of same season and then looking for mentors that are a little bit ahead to kind of speak wisdom into your marriage and into your family those are some of the things that kind of help us go against the natural drift um, that might take us in a in a different direction well it's such a great reminder for me even in in my season of life we don't have babies anymore our kids for the first time this year are school age. And so we kind of are making adjustments and, okay, what does this look yeah, like in this yeah. new season? Because it is important to us. Exactly. We want it to be priority, but just the simple reminder that it's not going to be exactly the same as it has been in the past. No, it really isn't. It changes and you don't necessarily feel the changes. You just all of a sudden realize, Hey, we're in a different season and right. what was working before isn't necessarily working now. So yes. if you can, you know, kind of take a deep breath and say, okay, what does this next season look like? And who can I talk to who's been here and done? the, you know, the eight to 12 year old season who might have some wisdom for me, or, you know, of course there are tons of resources out there Mm -hmm. as well. But, um, but yeah, I think anticipating some of the new seasons and changes that are ahead is just, is great when you can. Oh, that's good. Anticipating them. Mm -hmm. Yes. And getting those mentors around you, which, you know, we have to have the body of Christ. We can't do it alone. And I love that you are sharing that, that you have community groups and things like that. So if we shift that to the global church, I love that we do feel like extended family to North Point and your ministry. But what excites you right now that you see going on in the global church? Yeah, that's such a great question. I love the fact that there is such a huge trend toward churches not being entirely insider focused, a seeming awesome momentum um, and movement toward people investing in unbelievers in really healthy ways and having environments that they feel good about inviting them to. I love that trend. I love, you know, that things have moved in that direction. Another thing that I'm so encouraged by this next generation, I think the millennials get a bad rap sometimes, but they are so great great at seeing injustice and doing something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. Yeah. Watching these 20 something year olds diving in deep with justice issues and, you know, focusing on other people and not just themselves all the time is, it's just so cool to me. Um, as it relates to the church in general, I love, love, love that there is a little bit more of outsider focus than maybe there used to be. Mm-hmm. I think technology helps that as well, because if you think about it in the past, you couldn't necessarily see what was going on in other parts of the world or like us right now in other parts of the country. And so just to get excited, and and we're going to get to that in a second about your book, The Comparison Trap, but just to be excited about what God is doing in other people's lives and across the world. Yes, it is. Our our awareness, the awareness factor has certainly impacted so many things, including what's going on all around the world. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a wonderful and terrible thing. True. (laughs) So true. So true. I have to uh, state the obvious to me and to so many probably listening, Hugh and Andy, as your leadership with North Point Church, you've led the way in these trends from my perspective, from your churches and those who follow your ministry's perspective. Talk about uh, setting a trend, being trendsetters to lead the way for people to look outside of the walls of the church into their communities and to the unchurched. And, And I love that all of the messages that Andy gives always keep that mindset and it's helped mm-hmm. Craig with his preaching that we always know that there are listeners who are outside of the body of Christ that will need context right. and understanding. And thank you. Thank you guys for having that heart. Well, you're kind to say that. And, you know, there have certainly been some amazing people who have gone before us that have inspired Andy and challenged Andy. And, you know, we're just, we're just so grateful. And, uh, you know, it's funny. People say, are you, are you surprised by what God has done? And I'm sure y'all get that question a lot too, Amy, but always, yes, it's amazing. We, we are, we are so grateful that God has allowed us to be a part of these incredible things going on. And our prayer so frequently is God, thank you. Thank 
thank you, thank you for letting us be a part of this. And please don't let us do anything stupid to mess it up. That's right. <laughs> because we all know what we're, you know, what we're capable of. So we pray that prayer of God, would you just um, give us wisdom to see trouble coming and courage to do something about it, no matter what people think. That is a regular prayer for us. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, well, I am giddy to talk about your books. And can I first say that I'm a little bit of a cover snob, and your books are beautiful. Oh, thank you. It's not about the cover, but... um, Well, you are so kind to say that, and I am so quick to give all that credit to our resources team. I enjoyed writing the content, and um, we'll talk some more about where all that content came from. But we have the most amazing resources team, and they're just so good at all that. I, I look at, you know, they'll say, well, what do you think about this? Do you like this, or do you like this? And I'm like, oh, y'all, y'all are amazing. Yay. It just shout turned out, out pretty. Shout out to the resources and, oh, team. shout out You're to them amazing. because they really <laughs> have just knocked it out of the park. And I'm, I'm grateful and I'm so, so quick to give them the credit because um, they are the ones who, who've made it beautiful. Hmm, I love it. Okay, so let's start. You have two books. One, The Comparison Trap that you wrote a few years back. It's a 28-day devotional for women. And then Breathing Room is your latest, and it's also a 28-day devotional for women. But they cover such important topics, yeah. um, especially among women, comparison to others, and also overextending ourselves and the importance of rest. Yes. So I want to hear, let's start with Comparison Trap, kind of what led you in your own life to write this book and what it's about. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, both of these books were originally sermon series that Andy did over the years that just resonated with me as it relates to being issues that women deal with uniquely. Not that they're not men's issues too, but they just grab my attention. And so I wanted to spend some time repurposing them and crafting them into a tool that women could use individually or in group settings. So um, both of the books are four-week studies that have videos that accompany them and they each have their own app. So there's a comparison trap app and a breathing room app where people can see, watch the videos for free and not have to buy DVDs and all that. Although some people like DVDs and so we have those available, but for free, they're on the app and on the Apple TV, their apps on the Apple TV. That's great. You know, we have so many women's groups and they're always looking for good stuff to do. So we just thought, wow, this would be the perfect thing because you can do it as an individual, but you can also um, spend some time sitting in a circle with other girlfriends to to really talk about the application part of it and know that we're not alone. So a lot of times that's, that's powerful. But for Comparison Trap, that was just a message that I feel like, especially in the day and age in which we live, you know, our, our next temptation to compare is a swipe away on our phone. And comparison really, really is a trap. And there's no win in it. And we just can fall so easily and so quickly into it. Because, you know, goodness, what are we not tempted to compare? We compare our homes mm-hmm. and, you know, looking on Pinterest and Instagram, all these beautiful bedroom, master bedrooms. And now I need to have new, you know, a new dust ruffle and new bedding and new paint. And, you know, we're just always comparing. We compare our appearances, you know, our appearances, our careers, our relationships. Sometimes we're comparing our children's successes, which, you know, oh my goodness, what are we doing? So that's exactly right. What are we doing? So no win in comparison. Um, one of the things that we focus on in this series is is, and, and I love this quote, you are fine because you're mine. And that's a message from the Lord. Hey, I have made you unique um, to be you. And and you are all I intend for you to be. You are mine. I love you. You don't have to strive. You don't have to wear yourself out mm-hmm. um, based on what everybody else is doing. Yes. So, And then another thing that we talk about in there that I think is a powerful thought is one of the ways to short circuit comparison is celebrating other people mm-hmm. out loud and on purpose. Um, you know, when we feel that that draw to kind of compare and to feel badly about ourselves, one of the quickest ways to short circuit it is, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate her out loud and on purpose. That's so good. And I don't know, there's just something about that. It's like, you know, like when we're on our mm-hmm. knees praying for someone, it just diffuses what we're feeling. This is a way to diffuse what we're feeling as it relates to comparison. Well, and I think when we realize we're on the same team as people made in the image of God, we, you know, we carry that Imago Dei, we're less likely to get jealous or compare because we want each other to win, which inspires us to really encourage each other um, instead of competing with each other. Right. That's exactly right. So I highlighted something here that I was looking at in your book. Let's see. 
on page 63, you say, there's an answer to comparison's question, why not me? God has something Mm -hmm. else planned for you, something even more perfectly suited to your skills, gifts, and temperament. You need only to take your cue about you from the one who made you, loves you, redeemed you, and the one who calls you his masterpiece. And it kind of goes back to what your first point of um, we are all uniquely wired and it does short circuit it. I love that word. Yeah, it really, it really does. And a comparison trap and breathing room go hand in hand because we can wear ourselves out trying to accomplish what somebody else is accomplishing or, or try to, you know, when we're comparing, it just puts us in an, I think an unhealthy place to then begin to lack breathing room because we may not be equipped the way that person is equipped. And so, yeah, God has a great plan for each one of us and none of us are alike. So, well, Sandra, this might be a comparison type question, (laughs) but I look at you and you just are always so composed. Uh, You're beautiful in figure. You're just this thin, healthy, tall model with just this brilliant smile and just life going on and all this. And so I think surely Sandra doesn't struggle with comparison. And, um, but I think that's silly because that's what we start to think. We think that when we see that person with that perfect image, you know, that we're comparing ourselves to that they don't have the same issues that we have. Oh, I just don't think anyone is immune. And we just, I think it's part of our sin nature. We just, you know, we all want to win. We want to appear like we've got it all together, even when we Mm -hmm. don't. And yeah, I don't think anyone is immune. I know I'm not immune. And gosh, when when Andy first did that series, I thought, oh my goodness, (laughs) that speaks to something deep. I think in every single one of us, no matter what we're doing and no matter what our opportunities are, it is just there. And there are some very clear things in scripture that I think just give us amazing tools to combat that. Yes. Well, I thank you for that because I love the title that it is a trap and the word comparison, we shouldn't sugarcoat it of just something that's not a big deal because, you know, it made me think about James three sixteen that says where you find envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. Every evil practice. It's a yes, very big yes. deal. And, um, and it's a slippery slope mm-hmm. and it, it, you know, on the surface doesn't seem so terrible, yeah. but it, there really is something insidious about it as it as we slide down that slope it can go to some some pretty awful places pretty quickly I think well and I like what you said about combating it just how we can combat say unforgiveness you know with prayer if we're struggling like I want to forgive but I'm having trouble forgiving you know I think praying for that person realizing who they are also remembering that I'm a sinner who needs God too and then um, same thing with comparison like you said start praying for someone or or just start you know praying for ourselves like God help me I don't want to struggle with this. I don't want to deal with this, but I am. We have to be self-aware first and foremost in order to deal with it. Yes. And and just being grateful for the things that God has given us and the way this, that he has wired us and the opportunities he has given us. Sometimes the shortcut to contentment is just a heart of gratitude. That's good. And um, so, gosh, they're just lots of lots of little tools we can gird ourselves with, I think, to, to combat that trap of comparison. So... Okay, so let's move on to Breathing Room. What inspired you to write this book? Oh, Breathing Room... This is just my life message. When um, after we did comparison, I just started kind of praying about and thinking about, okay, is there something else? Is there another topic? And this is for me, in the, especially in the season that I'm in where I have opportunities to talk to younger moms who are in that crazy busy season of life. And they're so tempted to, okay, so I'm going to you know, quit my job and come home and be with the kids. But then they get home and they think, okay, I've got to start a at home business or I need to start blogging or I need to start whatever it is they want to do. I just want to go, girls, take a deep breath and just love your kids in this season if that's where you are. Or for some of my single friends, you know, I think for for singles, a lot of times we have an, a higher expectation of their volunteer capabilities and things like that. And I want to mm. say, hey, learn to say no and, and spend time with your aging parents, spend time with those nieces and nephews. We just, you know, there are seasons of life we just don't want to miss out on. And I think we can make ourselves so busy that we turn around and look at the year that we've just completed and, and we realize, oh my goodness, 
goodness, the people and the things that are most important to me, mm-hmm. somehow I didn't make time for. And life is just better. It's just better with breathing room. Um, in the book, we talk about some of the fears that are behind our tendencies to overextend, um, the fear of missing out, the fear of falling behind, the fear of not mattering. And, you know, with everything, social media and just awareness, you know, we want to look like we want to matter and we don't want to fall behind and we don't want to miss out. And then for me, though, one of the biggest ones is the fear of disappointing other people. So, you know, invitations and opportunities, you know, I just... It's so hard to say no. I don't, I don't, you know, there's so many great, valid, awesome ministries and things going on. You hate to say no to, but when you're realistic about, you know, making the most important things most important, we just have to say no. We have to learn how to graciously say no to things. And mm-hmm. um, so throughout the book, we talk about having breathing room in three areas, our time, our finances, and our relationships. I just, it's just a hard a heart message for me, hmm. especially being and Amy too, being in this season of life where our parenting years are in the rearview mirror, being able to look back and not have heavy regret on our hearts is just worth every single no that we had to say oh. um, in those seasons. Sandra, I love in your introduction, you talk about how you were planning to write this book and to get it on shelves a lot quicker. And you say, um, you kind of tell this story about how it turned out that you just didn't have any breathing room to write a study about breathing room. Yeah. Ironic, right? (laughs) Yes. That, um, after the success of comparison trap, we, you know, the team said, okay, we, you know, we gotta, let's do, let's do the next one. Let's get this going. We've got this momentum coming off of comparison trap. And so I was all in. I was like, yeah, definitely. Let's do that. This was fun. And um, every time I would get on my knees to pray, I was just getting a no from the Lord or a wait or something. I wasn't sure what. I just knew it wasn't the right Mm. time. So I, you know, chalk it up to what I ate last night and pray about this again tomorrow. (laughs) So Uh, after a little while, I went to the team and I said, girls, I don't know all the reasons behind this, but I just don't think that now is the right time for me and I'm going to need to press pause. And they were super understanding. And as it turned out, it really was a year where I could not have done it. Our foster daughter moved in full time. And um, that, of course, as you can imagine, takes a ton of time. And I had started seminary, so I was doing a couple of classes a semester. And it just really, it just really wasn't the right timing. And as it turned out, for some of the other girls on the team, different circumstances came into play that it w- really would have been difficult for them as well. So God was so gracious to mm-hmm. to guide us into all feeling good about saying wait. And so we did. We waited a whole, uh, you know, another year and a half or so before we really dove back in and, and got it going. And the timing was certainly better at that point. Sandra, I'm soaking this in like a sponge and it's speaking so much to my heart. I have this book on order and I cannot wait to get it. Uh, it came out just in December and I think I just was rushing around doing all the Christmas gifts. And And when I read the description about the book, I, I just about cried. And um, I am living here. Let me read what your description is because I thought it was so good on Amazon. And I think it's on your book cover as well. You're filling your calendar, draining your bank account, multitasking your way through life. You're efficient. Oh, yeah. But you're exhausted. You need just a little bit of breathing room. With one surprisingly simple invitation, God offers a way to trade your overwhelming pace for one that will finally bring you peace. This study will show you how. And I love that. And when you're saying that you got on your knees and you prayed and you felt like, yes, let's let's dive into this next study, but then you had the wisdom and the maturity to listen to the Spirit give you that vague sense of it's not time. That speaks so much volume to me right now, and I I think our listeners will either have experienced it or are experiencing the same thing too, because it shows that sometimes when God's directing us, we don't get specific reasons why. You might say no, but you're not not sure why you're saying no. Exactly, and it's hard to explain to other people. Yes. Sometimes it sounds like a cop-out, but you just have to know that it's not and, and, and move on. 
Well, Sandra, I have to tell you, for one, I just think you're the perfect person to have written this book because you are just so genuine and um, oh, thank just you. lovable and just you have that personality. So as we were kind of just communicating about this podcast, we got to chatting about how you were yes. taking classes from DTS Seminary. And I shared with you that I had actually just applied because I had always wanted to take some master's level seminary courses. And so I was kind of feeling out, jumping into that. And so we were kind of emailing back and forth and you were so gracious and kind to encourage me in that. And then just as kind of a side note, you sent me a picture of you and your son dancing recently at his wedding. And after the encouragement, you said, just make sure you don't load yourself up too much that you miss anything with those precious kiddos. Not worth Mm -hmm. the trade off. I promise in a minute, you'll be doing a mother son dance at a wedding reception or shopping for wedding dresses. And honestly, this is a great Mm -hmm. example of how breathing room practically played out in my life because I had already applied. Yeah. I had already gotten accepted. I had already enrolled. And as some other things kind of came to a head, just that little gentle voice was like, you know what? I could do this anytime. And now might not be the time and just stopping, pausing, giving myself some breathing room to, to pray about it. And the truth is I could do it, sure. but I wouldn't yeah. have extra breathing room. And yes. so I'm a seminary dropout before I even started because of you. So <laughs> before you started, well, you will be glad. And you know, one of the things that I think is so important for us to remember is, you know, our no for now isn't necessarily a no for always. Mm-hmm. It's just a no for now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even in those years when the kids were at home, I spent a, a number of years homeschooling. I homeschooled for about 10 years and then we tossed them into the biggest public high school in, in, in Atlanta. <laughs> That's great. But, um, but during those years, there were just some categorical no's for me. Um, things like lunches with girlfriends, And it wasn't that I was denying myself any me time, but there were just some categories of things that I would, you know, I would say no to that I realized this is just a no for now. And Mm -hmm. um, there's going to be a season after this where I'll be able to say yes to all of this and invitations, you know, Amy and I, because of our husbands, you know, we have all these opportunities to, to minister and to be invited to speak places and just different things. And in that season, that was a categorical no for me because I knew not only, not only the traveling, but the prep, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, I'm not a sermon preparing machine, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like some people it's super easy for them. And for me, it takes a lot of time and that alone would be, you know, the sacrifice I would be making that would, would impact my kids next. Negatively. So it was a no for now at that time. And I'm able to say yes now, which is fun. Well, that's such wisdom. And I love even in just the very beginning of your book, you dedicate it to your kids and you say my greatest joys and the great work for which I'm grateful I did not come down comparing it to the story yes, in, that, in that Nehemiah. Nehemiah 6, mm-hmm. 3 verse. Yes. And um, yeah, that was that was a verse that was so pivotal for me. The, the whole idea of I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. And um, I, I had it in my schoolroom. I had it in later seasons. I had it as my wallpaper on my phone. I mean, just different things. It was just a little bit of a reset button for me to look at that verse and go, wow, my great work right now is raising these children and being here for Andy and, and being home when I hear the garage door come up. I want to be home when Andy gets home. And that was my great work in that season. And that's not for everybody. Everybody is different. Everybody's wired differently. Mm-hmm. But for me, me, my great work was that in that season. And mm-hmm. um, on this side of it, I just am so, so grateful. Garrett and his wife each individually texted me last week and said, we haven't seen y'all in over a week. Can we get together next week for dinner? Wow. And I just almost cried. I thought that is the win. Yeah, That's the win. That's what we were talking about earlier. You know, when your kids want to see you enough mm-hmm. that they're going to you know, carve out some time to come over and, and have dinner. So last night they came over and the four of us had steaks and Mm. just caught up and, and then Andy and I were looking at each other like, what time are they going to leave? It's so late. (laughs) We're ready to go to bed. (laughs) Kidding, Uh, sort of. Yes. You know, and you have to learn to feed them well. That's right. That's right. Food is always a draw. So yeah, good food is a good draw. Always. So So how has researching and, and writing these two books changed your perspective? You know, it just has hammered these lessons home. I've, I've known them. I haven't always applied them perfectly, but you know, being entrenched in the content from the books and in the content of scripture that undergirds these books, um, 
just, it's just confirmation over and over and over to me that, that this is super important. And even in the season that I'm in now where I do have more time on my hands and I do have, you know, more margin to say yes to things, I can easily overextend now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are just, you know, there are more things, you know, coming at us even in this season than we should say yes to. So it hasn't changed and I still need the reminder to, to maintain breathing room. So Mm, um, yeah, just in being entrenched in the material has so impacted me personally. Craig, he said one time and my husband and I say it quite a bit. He talked about choosing your win and how, you know, God has designed us with a lot of gifts and passions and, and thoughts, but we can't do everything. And we know that. And so choosing your win in that season. And so we say that a lot. And again, that might not be some huge, massive thing to the world, but it might be being intentional to stay up late and soak in that bedtime with your kid at night. You know, there's a lot of different wins in life. And Jen, that's so true. And your win is going to be different in different seasons. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you can recognize that and be intentional toward that Mm -hmm. is a powerful thing. And that's what gets you, you know, again, it gets you to the end of that year and you look back in your rearview mirror and go, okay, yes, we did it. I mean, we didn't do it perfectly. But yeah, we, we really made the most important thing, the win, Mm. um, you know, Mm -hmm. the goal and, and that's a powerful thing in the, and really in your season, especially, I think. I wish we could talk for hours about this subject because it's, it is such a vital area and the seasonal part for women that changes so much, especially if we're mothers and, um, Choosing the win, like Jen said, in the context of what you shared and in your book, the great work, knowing what that great work is or the win, knowing it and then being able to have the wherewithal all to then choose it each day with those little decisions. But you have to know what it is. Sometimes we just go through the motions of what you were saying, you know, duty and I don't want to disappoint. And those things Mm -hmm. get us off of really, oh, that's not my, that's not the great uh, work that God has called me to really be about. and so however we call it, the win or our kazone, uh, like live churchers yep. know with Craig's book, or the, the great yep. work, those are the things that I just encourage all women to to really seek God to know what it is, like you said, for that season. But, oh. Yep. For that day, maybe. For that day. Yeah. What do we, yes. you know, because seasons are, they can be. The, the day, the 24-hour day, right. the month, the and year. And it is daily. It really is um, a daily renewing of the mind like so many other things. I'm excited uh, to read the book, like I said, and, uh, and I know that we'll have a lot of listeners that are going to want to get a hold of both of these books. I love that they're short. They're so easy to do, and I really recommend the girlfriends do it as a group. That's why the books were designed for uh, the North Point girls, and I think that doing these things together North Point, I may have coined the phrase circles better than rows are better than rows. We use that phrase as well. Circles are better than rows. It's awesome. And um, get in those circles, get with some girlfriends and experience these life-changing books together. And hold each other accountable in it too. That's such a great thing. Just being accountable to to know, hey, I've got a, a little posse of girls that are going to be asking me a question next Monday night about how I did. And, and it's always great to have that extra motivation. Right. Oh, it's huge. I, I love my girlfriend time for that accountability for sure. Um, let's change gears. And is there a time in your life, because we're messy, this is messy table, that life was difficult, that you had that season of great challenge and you experienced God in a big way through that mess, through that challenge? Yes. You know, um, so many, so many. It's just like, okay, Sandra, which one are you going to (laughs) pick? Right. So I think that's kind of where we all are. But, um, you know, I think back to about 20 years ago when we were making a transition in ministry out of one ministry and, and beginning to start North Point. And, and it was just hard. There was, there was family stuff involved as well as um, ministry stuff involved. And it was, it was just a kind of a messy, hard time and particularly um, messy for Andy and his relationship mm-hmm. with his sweet dad. And, you know, of course, they're so great now, but it was a hard time um, as we were leaving his dad's church and getting ready to do something different. And I think think about that time. And as I think about it, one of the things that we realized we needed in that season was 
third-party assistance. Um, Andy dove in with with a counselor to help him navigate all that correctly. His dad did, and they did it together as well. And then I had a lady who helped me navigate it at the same time. And um, from my perspective, because for me it was a whole different thing. You know, people can say stuff about us, or I mean, but but when they start talking about our husbands and our kids, boy, you know, that's a whole that's a whole different thing. (laughs) Watch out. Yeah, exactly. And so I had a a mentor slash counselor slash friend who still is heavily involved in my life. And we, we had lunch yesterday even, but she has been tracking with me for over 20 years and Mm -hmm. she walked me through it. There are just seasons in our life that for whatever reason are hard, whether Mm -hmm. it's in our marriage, whether it's in our ministries, whether it's in our jobs, our careers, our parenting, whatever, there are just seasons where we need a third party walking with us, helping us interpret, you know, things that are coming our way, helping us have perspective Mm -hmm. on forgiving and just reminding us to forgive. One of the things that that Sandy taught me in that season was forgive immediately Mm -hmm. and completely, which is super, super easy to talk about and hard to do. Mm -hmm. And um, But having someone who was holding my hand, walking me through that process, and Andy and his dad had the same thing, we all came out on the other side of it better Mm -hmm. and stronger and usable. I mean, usable. Even that hard season is such a usable story that God has been able to leverage and redeem. Mm. And um, and so as I was thinking through, okay, I've got lots of choices for messy things to share. That probably was one of the most difficult things we've ever been through and one of the best, richest learning times that we've ever experienced mm. um, all at the same time. Wow. But, you know, there's there's no shame in having a third party walking along, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a really wise friend. Um, there's just no shame in going all the way with counseling. I mean, I in just... In fact, it's very smart. Oh, my goodness. It's so smart. Yes. It's so wise. It's so wise to come out on the other side without the wounds that are going to um, stay wide open and... and get all over everybody else in our life, which, Mm. you know, hurt does that, Mm -hmm. you know, when we don't deal with the things that are, that are hurtful, it can get on the people around us and the people that we love the most, Mm -hmm. our families, our kids, our spouses. So that to me was a messy time where, but God just taught us so much. And such a great reminder that you don't have to stay there, like get help, talk about it. That's right. You know, refuse to stay stuck in that mess. Yeah, even when we feel like we're the victim, mm-hmm. um, you know, there, there's, there's always a, an, another side and somebody else can help us see it in a healthy way. Hmm. Wow, that's so good. Well, I know that we're not going to go into super big details, but I do want to hear just kind of what would you say is one takeaway or something that you've learned through fostering? Oh, through foster care, goodness gracious, um, I'm not that I'm a selfish person. <laughs> you know, there there are so many lessons in the midst of some of the difficult things. When kids come into foster care, they come in with all their stuff. And they come into foster care because of difficult, difficult stuff that they've been exposed to and have had to navigate. And um, so, you know, when they come into our homes, whether we're fostering or whether we're being respite parents, Andy and I have done both, you know, there's just, um, it's just hard. There's just hard, hard stuff. Um, but one of the things and probably the biggest thing I've learned is when we are doing what God has called us to do, he is going to give us the capacity to get it done and to, to persevere or whatever through it. And if you had told me some of the things that we would have to navigate ahead of time, I probably would have pulled a Jonah, you know, and said, (laughs) Nope, can't do it. I am out of here. But God in his graciousness doesn't show us everything up front, but yet he gives us the capacity one day at a time to kind of navigate through it. And um, I would say that as it relates to foster care, that's probably the biggest lesson I've taken away is God, when he calls us to do something, he equips us to do it. And he Mm. is going to give us the capacity. Even if we don't feel Um, equipped at the time. (laughs) Even if we do not feel equipped. Because if you had told me some of the little nuances and ins and outs of what we would face and navigate, I just really would not have felt equipped. Mm. So I, God I, is so gracious. I'm really curious. Was that a decision that you two came together on? Was that something on your heart? And then Andy 
like whatever you want, along. dear. Or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier yeah. that it wasn't something that necessarily you, you thought you would do um, no, earlier in wasn't. life. So yeah, tell us about how you, you know, got into I'll, it. I'll make kind of a longer sh- story short. It really began when our kids got to about middle school age, kind of you know maybe 10, 11, 12. We did several overseas trips with them, kind of mission trip things, a couple of them with compassion, where we went to different places in Africa and some other places. And uh, we just all began to have our eyes opened and became aware of the plight of children who are in really, really difficult circumstances. So that was kind of step one. We get back home from some of those trips and I had just through a program that we were doing with our staff where we were volunteering, we were just taking a serve day and all of our staff was just going to different places and serving in our communities. And um, I ended up at a place called Foster Care Support Foundation. And it's like a big giant clothes closet, equipment closet, everything that a foster parent might need when they get a placement, they can get there, including, you know, just whatever they might need related to the ages of the child that they or children that they get. And um, we were just there doing some organizing and cleaning and all of that kind of stuff. And that was the first little baby step for me to realize, hey, this isn't just in Africa. This isn't just in South America. There are children dealing with difficult things right here in our own backyard. And within a 10-mile radius of our church campus, I learned how many foster situations there were Mm. and how many beds were available. And that did not match up. And so for us in our conversation about that, when we got home, we just thought, wow, God, you know, maybe we need to figure out a way to be involved. So I was thinking I'd just go volunteer more, you know, over Mm. at Foster Care Support Foundation. (laughs) And, you know, that's a baby step. We could, I can do that. And again, it was just some little kind of breadcrumbs, kind of baby steps that led us to realize, you know what, God really may be calling us to this. And so it was both of us. And then it was conversation with our kids. Andrew, by that time, was in high school. I think Garrett was in high school, too. It was 20, 2010. And we got licensed and um, and just kind of dove in. And that's kind of how it started. It really was an awareness thing. And mm. one of the things that I have learned in the process is almost every Christian I know has a heart for children from hard places, mm-hmm. you know, especially when they hear a story. But not everybody is called to foster. Right. But what I have learned is there is really something that everybody can do as it relates to children and widows and all of those things that we are mandated in Scripture to be taken care of. Um, there really are things that we can all do. And even in foster care, there are different, you know, you can wade in the pool very sh- in the shallow end just by serving a foster family, mm-hmm. um, taking meals, helping with driving. You can take the next step a little bit deeper water and get some training and be a babysitter. And then you can, you know, dive in deep and do all the training and have kids overnight, whether it's respite or actually being foster families. And just learning that, learning that, um, you know, there, there really are things that people can do who don't necessarily feel called to foster care was kind of a powerful thing, too. But, yes, it was both of us and it was um, also all five of us yes. um, in conversation about how this would look in our family. And again, even thinking about breathing room and is this something that we want to give up some other things in order to be able to pursue? And we decided that it was. Yeah. So true. Mm-hmm. That's a good point because that that's what's going to happen. And I think this translates into so many areas. You know, if someone is feeling called to a particular thing, whether it's foster care yes, or whatever something it is. else, you had to listen to that voice and take those baby steps and be obedient in that way. Because I'm sure that even though it's been hard that you've um, just experienced a ton of joy and incredible things through it as well. And so, you know, we have to walk in that obedience though first. It doesn't just magically happen. Absolutely. And just watching the impact that it has had on our kids has been a powerful thing. Mm. Um, I think it really has set a tone for them and, you know, just for for them as adults, figuring out ways that they can plug in and, and serve. And for them, they have a heart for kids from hard places too. So as a family, that rubbed off and it's been fun to watch them figure out how to navigate that. I love that. I love that God brought the the unity for your whole family. And I love the awareness piece. That's how I actually became an advocate for the foster and and orphan is through um, an awareness piece. 
and I'm just going about my business yeah. and then I end up at some, you know, event thing and my eyes are open and I see. And so there, and there are right. baby steps. I think God always takes, you know, a lot of us to baby step number one and then two and three. And, and then that's how you end up doing things you never would have imagined because he's, he's just gentle how he leads us. Yeah. He is. He is very gracious that way. Uh, man, I think we could probably talk about that for like the next three hours, but we're going to move on. So I want to know what are some of your favorite books or podcasts or any resources that you love and would recommend to other women? Oh, yes. Um, well, wow, there's so many. There's so many. Um, again, you know, like I said earlier, being doing this whole seminary thing, there are some books that I'll look at, I'll see the title, and I'll think, oh, dear, I'm going to have to just kind of trudge <laughs> through that, that one. And then it'll end up being something that just is overwhelmingly used by God in my heart and my life. And and so one one of them, I'm taking a Trinitarianism class, and I we had to read this book in preparation for this class um, before the semester started called Delighting in the Trinity. An Introduction to the Christian Faith by a guy named Michael Reeves. And I thought, oh, goodness, this, you know, this is just going to be, you know, this is going to be a, just got to make it through and, you know, highlight a few things. And y'all, I finished that book. I have more pink highlighting ink on words than, than not. So it was a powerful word. And then when it says an introduction to the Christian faith, it really was, um, not super complicated. And I've always wanted to understand the Trinity and I would really recommend it to any thoughtful Christian, any, anybody who really wants to grow in their faith. I think it, it has been a really powerful book for me. Um, recently. That's great. So, um, that Thank was a you. good one. I love a, a girlfriend of mine, um, who has just battled a serious round with ca- um, cancer, wrote a book called everything happens for a reason and other lies I've believed. And mm-hmm. it, it's kind of a, just an amazing book, I think for women who are going through illnesses or even any other, just really difficult, um, kind of circumstances. It's just an encouraging book. It kind of is her journey and some things that God taught her along the way. Um, her name is Kate Bowler, B-O-W-L-E-R. And she is a professor at Duke Divinity School and wrote this book and just it's it's powerful. Um, well, even just the title, it's yes, like, isn't yes. that funny? Uh, yeah, so everything powerful. happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And other lies I've believed. I thought that's so true. You know, we there's so many little things that we hear people say all the time, and um, you know, we believe them just because we've heard them so many times, and they are not necessarily true. So. Yep. Um, yep. Yep. Great quiet time tool, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozier. I've mm-hmm. gone through it more than once. It's just one of those things that needs to, I think, stay on everybody's you know table beside their quiet time spot. Um, such a powerful, powerful book. And then at the risk of of being misunderstood, I'm going to say this one anyway, Love, Sex, and Dating that, um, <laughs> that Andy wrote. If you have a teenager or a 20-something in your life that you love, Pay them, bribe them, do whatever you have to do to get them to read or even just listen to the the series Love, Sex, and Dating. I just think it's, gosh, I wish every every teenager, every high school student, every college student, every early 20-something would read that book. It's, it's such a great message. Well, you know what? Everyone likes to talk about love, sex, and dating, so I think yeah, it'll yeah. be a winner. So anyway. And I agree that, you know, Craig's book on, on relationships, it started off as going all the way, and now it has another title that's kind of like a love, sex, and dating. Yes. Isn't that terrible? I'm not sure what it is. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, it originally books, was going all yeah. the way. It wasn't. Those are worth bribing our kids, yes. Yeah. Yeah, for all those aunts out there listening, get them for your nieces and nephews. Oh, my goodness. Just, you know, pouring into them. The these, you know, the whole idea of purity, our, our society just baits us to the edge and then, you know, people go over and it just has devastating lifelong effects. And I just... It does. And that's what I know. was going to say is then you see, you see so much heartbreak dealing with baggage for years and you years really and years do. to come. And I know that there's so many women right now, even listening yeah. that um, are still dealing with that baggage. And obviously those are wounds that God can take and he can Absolutely. heal and he can redeem he can. and he can restore. But if it's something you can avoid. Oh my goodness. It's so worth, it's so worth, um, avoiding. 
And it's hard to make anybody understand until they're a little further down the road and have heard all the stories that we've heard um, or been yeah. through things that we've been through. So, gosh, that's why I say pay them, bribe them, you know, whatever you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, so. Sandra, you are just a delight, and I want to put you in my pocket and carry you around with me. But since I can't, if you would, just leave us with one final word of encouragement or advice that you want other women to hear. You know what? Um I would say regardless of your season of life, regardless of whether you're married or single or a widow, just, you know, whatever your season of life, do not neglect your time alone with the Lord. That is just um, the most important thing. It's not something to feel guilty about, but it is something that affects every other area of your life. And so whatever you have to do, you know, it looks different in every season of life. It looks one way when we've got little ones at home. It looks one way when we're single. It looks a different way when our kids are a little bit older, but figuring out a way to have time in scripture and time in prayer as often during the week as you can, it's just serves you well and everybody around you well. So, you know, whatever sacrifice needs to be made in order to have that time alone with the Lord, I would just implore women of all seasons and all ages to really move and work toward that. There it is. I mean, that's life that to know him and to, to have that intimacy in time with him, that's that's truly the essence, the life, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I think that's the, the best and truest answer. And I love that. I love the purity of um, who you are. And Jen and I just can't thank you enough. This has been a, a, such a pleasure to hear more about your story, more about what makes you tick and the things that uh, God has led you to do. We are inspired by your example and by the leadership of your home again and your ministry. And um, we just look forward to how God will will use this podcast and our time Mm -hmm. together to inspire others and encourage them to their great work. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Amy. And thank you, Jen, for having me. And I'll look forward to seeing y'all soon, I hope. Yes. Thank you very much. Love you. Love you. Well, goodness, we are certainly not lacking in resources. Remember, when you leave here, you can open your free Bible app, go to plans, and start the Messy Table Bible Plan. In addition to that, Sandra also has reading plans coordinating with her books, so you should be good to go for at least the next few weeks. We are also giving away hard copies of each of her books, The Comparison Trap and Breathing Room. If you're interested in entering to win, simply share this episode or tag three friends on social media who might enjoy this podcast. Well, if you look forward to The Messy Table, you can mark your calendar for every other Tuesday when a new episode comes out, or you can do what the smart people do and push a subscribe button once and let every episode automatically come straight to your phone. Subscribe for free in iTunes. And now for my Android friends, we're also on Google Play and Stitcher. You can also join my email list at jenjewel.com and follow The Messy Table podcast on Instagram. There are lots and lots of options to stay caught up. Pick whatever works best for you. And last but not least, if you're feeling out of breathing room right now, I want to leave you with Jesus's words. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I pray that you'll let the King of Kings refresh you at your own messy table. 